Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Celebrate. Oh, it's the Chats with Cats podcast. You're streaming live from Aldinga Beach and you're here with Mark on the back of a four-day bender. You're here with Dan, fresh oh, as daisies. Five-day bender. Five-day bender. You're here with Rick, always ready to go. And it's the last season of our last episode. It's the last season of our season. <laughs> it is. Last episode of our second season. So thanks for everyone who's joined us for 60 episodes crazy that came so quick didn't it i'm getting emotional the last episode season two like mm. i'm i'm i feel like crying please don't <laughs> it makes me feel really uncomfortable when grown men cry i know how it's really scary it's so for me weird. i don't know what to do like i pat them on the head and i'm like what are you <laughs> <laughs> i don't like it i'm just getting visuals of you just like someone's pouring their heart out to you and you're just like yeah I like, do, do you know what that i'm not joking i'm like I like blow on them and tap. Is that why you went to jail that one time? Because you were just blowing so. on people who were crying. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really weird thing to tell people about. Um, two seasons. It's our 60th episode. Mm. And if you're a follower, you would have heard us talking about a gentleman called the Coffin Confessor, Bill yeah. Edgar. Yep. Now, we were lucky enough and we actually said in the podcast that we we're talking about Bill, mm. we said we should get Bill on. Mm. And then Who we discovered Bill, by the way. You did, it, didn't you? Yeah. On on I, Sunrise or something. I did. I did. Keep going. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. well, we said as a collective, you know, we should get Bill on. Yeah. And then I remember actually, we finished that podcast and we said, you know what, we should actually try and do that. Yeah. And then none of us fucking did anything about yeah. it. Fucking hopeless. Yeah. I think we all went and played FIFA for like five hours. That's what we did. Very bad. You show initiative, though. I know. Who organised it? Was it you or Rick? He that... reached out to us. He actually... No, but who initiated the, you know, who organised the conversation? Was it you or Rick? No, he... me. He hit, hit us up on Instagram, so I was like, yeah. I don't know. I actually didn't know if it was him to start with. Well, he, well, we we found his Instagram. We're like, mm. is this him? Is this not him? Like, And we just went for it, mm. and we found out that it, it was him. Yeah. Anyway, so... without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Chats with Cats podcast, we thank you, the valued listener, for sticking with us through yeah. 60 fantastic, maybe 58 fantastic, and two eh, average <laughs> episodes. We uh, hope you enjoy this fascinating discussion that we had with William P. Edgar, the Coffin Confessor. Please enjoy. All right, we've been speaking about him on the pod 
And we finally got him on. He's reached out to us and he's chatting to us now. Welcome aboard, Bill Edgar, the Coffin Confessor. How are you, mate? G'day, guys. How are we? Very good. Very good. good. All right. So do you want to explain to the audience uh, just in a brief word what you do and what your, your job title is? Yeah, basically, I attend funerals on behalf of the deceased and tell those that, that, that were loved how much they were loved and uh, those that were hated to uh, fuck off. <laughs> I love that. That's great. It's, it's That's a really great. interesting profession, obviously, something that you've created completely on your own and it's a really crazy path. So interested to know a little bit more about your backstory and what's brought you to doing the job that you do it's obviously extremely unique so um, give us a little bit of the back history on Bill Edgar. Yeah I guess um, childhood was just um, horrific you know child abuse all that going through but look I'll leave that for the readers of the book The Coffin Confessor that's been brought out now by Penguin It's, it's a great book a great read and it gives you the backstory of why I do what I do and how I can do what I do without conflict or or confrontation. Um, but in saying that, I am a private detective, have been for, uh, what, 14 years now. Um, okay, I yep. actually go into large corporations undercover. I, I pretend to be a uh, kitchen hand security guard or a, uh, a cleaner. Oh, wow. And I infiltrate, yeah, I infiltrate the staff and I find out who's stealing within the workplace, which is a good gig. Yeah, I'd love that. That sounds, that's something I'd love to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what got you into that? Uh, like anything, I, I create my own jobs. I, I, I went to a meeting with a, a general manager and I just said, look, you know, if there's theft in the workplace, I'm pretty sure I can find out who's doing it within a couple of weeks. And he, he took me up on the offer, paid me yeah. good money, and I do that gig uh, every eight weeks, uh, uh, for eight weeks every year. But then I've got three or four on the go now, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So in terms of um, going to funerals, uh, coffin confessing. How many do you do, like in a a month? Oh, look, it's it's not a weekly, monthly gig. It's like yeah. you can't predict when someone dies. Yeah. I mean, they hire me, and they they mightn't die for six months, twelve months, or or even two years. Yeah, um, yeah. But in saying that, I've done well over 30, 35 funerals in the last couple of years. I get paid ten grand a gig, yeah, and right. uh, they don't need the money where they're well. going. Yeah, well, they don't need the money where they're going and I never have a complaint. Yeah. I was going to say, does it frustrate you that you don't get any good reviews from people after your job's done from your clients? <laughs> I couldn't give a fuck about reviews, mate. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Rightly so. A bit like the people I leave behind at the funerals. You know, I don't care about them either. It's all about the, my client, the person in the coffin, no one else. Do you, do you ever get attached to any of the people that have hired you? And like the, it becomes like a really sad, hard thing to do. Yeah, it's not hard to do because they're all being swarmed by the vultures in their families, and yeah, you'd be yeah, surprised yeah. how many vultures are in the families. And it's it's fucking depressing watching. Uh, I was at a hospital a hospice uh, watching this lady, you know, and I'm talking to her about death, the afterlife, what she wants at a funeral, and all of a sudden, a son and daughter are fucking arguing at the end of the bed. Who's getting the car? Who's getting the rings off her finger? Yeah. Uh, Fucking hell. You know, right. it's wow. just pathetic. So could you talk to us about the process of um, people that are on the verge of dying and they're talking to you about what they want said 
at their funeral when they die. How is that sort of like, um, how does that conversation come about? Like they're on the verge of dying and they come to you and they're like, this is what I want you to say at my funeral. Like how does that process work? Yeah, so basically what will happen is um, someone will get in touch with me and they'll want to meet. Um, and it could be through a third party like a uh, palliative care nurse may yep. know about me and have heard about me. And yep. they'll say to their, their, their um, patient, oh, you should get Bill, come in, have a chat. And I'll go in, I'll meet these people. And, um, you know, a lot of the times you meet with them and you hear their their. their deepest desires, their secrets, their fantasies, everything that no one else knows. And it's really, it's truthful and it's, it's so raw and it's on their deathbed. So they're not going to lie and bullshit and carry on. And yeah. it's something that they just need to get off their chest or something yeah. that they want to have done. And it could be good, bad, funny or sad. It really could. Yeah. I mean, the, the process is basically I... I turn up to their funeral as one of the mourners. I sit amongst family and friends. You know, people are saying, oh, how did you know Jojo? Or how did you know Sarah? And I'll go, oh, you know, I worked with them or I knew them from fucking school, wherever. You know, you yeah, make yeah. up a backstory. Yeah. And, um, and you sit with them and then a precise time that is organised by the client, whereas the first, very first funeral I did, I had to get up and tell the best mate while he's performing the eulogy to sit down, shut up or fuck off because the man in the box has got something left unsaid and this is what it is. Yeah. And I'll open an envelope, I'll read the letter aloud and it'll say to my best mate, you're not a fucking best mate, you've been trying to screw my wife while I'm on my deathbed. Oh, yeah. I can't move, wow. I can't get out of oh, bed, wow. I can't yeah. attack you, I can't even defend my own family. So Bill's here to do that for me. Now fuck off from my funeral. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming his reaction wasn't great to that. He slithered out, as too did a couple of others that my client said if, uh, if my brother and his wife and daughter turned up at the funeral, they'd have fucked off as well. I haven't seen him in 30 years. Why are they paying their respects now? What's yeah, that it's about? a little bit too little too late, isn't it? Oh, way too late. So when you are speaking to someone and they're telling you, say, some of their deepest secrets, do you ever find them... Um, or catch them out telling you something that you find isn't that bad or or is extremely bad and you feel, you know, some way about telling it? <laughs> no, look, it's, it's not as though I catch them out. I am a private investigator and I do look at the backstory of what they're telling me and I do set up certain investigations just to make sure that I'm not going to out somebody wrongfully. Now, yeah, yeah, in yeah. saying that, let's say um, a, a gentleman came to me and uh, he says to me, Oh, you know, Bill, I want to tell the world that I've been fucking the neighbour, Sarah, and I've been rooting her for the last 20 years, but I haven't told my wife and all that. Well, wow. that's all well and good, but you're yeah. about to fuck Sarah's wife. So what I'll say to him, let's say you were rooting a neighbour. We won't say who it was. We won't say if it was man or woman. We'll keep it open. And that way Sarah can continue her life without any fucking problems, and you get to say what you wanted to say. And if you want to apologise to wife, great. If you don't, don't. And it leaves it in Personally, her court to do whatever. Obviously, yeah. you've, you've spoken a lot of controversial things at funerals. Is there anything in your mind that stands out as the worst confession you've ever had to say in front of an audience at a funeral? Is there one that stands oh, think, out? No, nah, there's one coming up. 
Yeah. Oh, really? Can you yeah. can you share it with us? Can we get the scoop? Yeah, I, I'm about to tell an abusive husband that his um his wife of 30 years and their kids aren't his; they're his brothers. Oh wow! Oh, wow. oh that's yeah. brilliant. You know, oh. we we all understand funerals an extremely emotional time for families of the deceased and friends of the deceased, and um. We can get and imagine that the reactions that you get vary greatly. So what are some of the extremes that you've experienced from, you know, thank you so much, this is the best thing I could have ever heard, to, you know, chasing you out there with barbed wire poles and telling you that they're going to beat the fuck out of you? (laughs) Yeah, I get it because, you know, but at the same time, if you think funerals are for the living, you're disrespecting the dead. Now, funerals should be all about the deceased and the deceased has got something left unsaid and they've engaged me to say that. Now, if you want to hear what your loved one said, great, sit down, shut up and listen. Otherwise, you want to attack me, fuck off, you know, because I'm going to do a job. Now, I guess the other thing is, is the best part, uh, the best way to do that is to get the crowd on your side first. And how you do that is you stand up and you say, excuse me, my name's Bill Edgar. I am the coffin confessor and I'm here on behalf of your loved one. Yeah. He's left, he or she's left me a message. This is what it is. If you'd like to hear it, great. If you don't, those that don't, see you later. Surely that curiosity would would make everyone want to let you get up there and say it anyway. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's the thing. But considering yeah, considering say, what on. you're talking about, obviously has nothing to do with you. It's to do with the deceased person. Have you ever been physically threatened with violence after you've given a confession with anyone in the audience? No, not after. During. Um, during. Like, <laughs> yeah, during. I, I did a bikey's funeral, but oh, here there we was go. some no. yeah, there was some humour in in this though because the bikey himself. He was a um, he was a big gruff of a man, big bikey type fucking bloke, you know. And you're at a funeral with a heap of bikies, and I've got to announce that he's gay. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Wow. But then also I've got to say, and it's not you, John. And there's six Johns there, and they're all looking at each other, and the whole fucking crowd's looking <laughs> at these Johns, and yes. I'm like, oh, you know. So do so do- basically. Yeah. Do they ever pull you aside and go like, "Hang on, we want proof of this," like, and you've got to show them. Something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens regularly. They'll say, "Oh, is there proof or anything?" And, and there's a couple of ways I can do that. I, I actually do have a contract with my clients. I do video my clients, and sometimes my clients will give me something that they've had that everybody else knows that's only theirs and no one else has. And it could be yeah. a, a ring, a feather, a, a headband. It could be anything. You know. Yeah, right. So it gives me yeah, which is good because I mean it turns into other. And this is where other doors open in this profession. And I call it a profession now because, and I'm telling you, it started as a fucking joke. Yeah, right. Okay? I, just, I just happened to tell a guy that I'd crash his funeral for him and he took me up on the offer. That's all it was. <laughs> was he a mate like, of yours? Seriously. That's brilliant. It, 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 he wasn't a mate. I was just working for him. Oh, right. And, um, yeah, I was investigating some debt-related matters that he had and, and we got to talking about death, afterlife, all that shit. And I said, why don't you do your own eulogy? And he said, you know what, Bill? I've been to plenty of funerals where the eulogy isn't played out of respect for those that are left behind. I said, well, fuck it. How about I crash your funeral for you? And he That's said, amazing. you know what? That's great. Yeah. And he took me up on the offer and he, he was the one that 
stipulated the 10 grand. He paid me the 10 grand up front and he said, look, this will, you know, this is what I think it's worth for me. And, and not only that, but hopefully I'm in the coffin or I'm somewhere just laughing my fucking ass off, the door, <laughs> yeah. which is cool because it's a mic drop. Yeah, it is. It's good. So, so, oh, you go. So, ten grand, right? And you said you've done thirty to thirty-five of this. So, that's a that's a decent quid that you've made out of doing this so far. If someone came to you today and said, "Hey, you know what? My family, piece of shit. I don't want to leave anything to them. Take it all." Are you doing it? Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, oh, exactly. I love it. So, well, when- I've got to th- you've got to you've got to think of it this way, right? Uh, if their pa- family's a piece of shit and they don't want to give it to fucking charity and, and all this and, and they want to leave it to somebody else and, and it's me, yeah, fucking, mm. who cares? So yeah, I'll take it. Why yeah. not? Brilliant. Oh, it's going to something fucking, good. Yeah. Hey, um, yeah. of course. Obviously, the Coffin Confessor, the name, it speaks for itself. Did you come up with anything else before that? Oh, yeah, heaps of things. Oh, tell us the yeah, worst I, one. I was thinking, oh, the worst one. <laughs> the best one. <laughs> The funeral fucker. The, <laughs> the funeral fucker. That's great. I don't great. know what the fucking worst one was, but I mean, I, I, I didn't even realise this was going to be a business until after the first funeral. It was just so happened that I was leaving that funeral and a young girl came up to me and said, my auntie's got to see you. So I went to see her. I do her funeral. I'm leaving that funeral. This bikey fucking girl sees me and says, you've got to see Johnny. And I'm like, okay, I'll go see right. Johnny. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting at a cafe in the middle of fucking surface paradise, scratching my head going, fuck, I'm making some good coin here. Yeah. And this is going to be a great business. And it's all how just word of I, mouth. Yeah. And how can I make this business really successful? And is it really what people want? And then all of a sudden, I did one interview in the UK, uh, Good Morning New Britain it was, Good Morning Britain or something, and I got 4,500 requests in like seven minutes. Wow. It was fucking ridiculous. Bang. Yeah. And it just rolled from there. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but then I've I got to say, other doors opened. So then I started doing home sweeps. People were engaging me now. I go to their home and I remove sensitive items that they don't want their loved ones found, which is, that, is fair enough. Is that like a butt plug or something that they've hidden in a drawer? Could be. It could be anything. Yeah. Sex, toys, drugs, money, whatever it is. Yeah. What's the best thing you found? Or been told to take out of a house. Oh, mate, getting rid of this guy's web browser was pretty cool. But I've got to say, um, <laughs> I've got to say uh, that the sex dungeon was probably the biggest thing. An eighty-eight-year-old bloke didn't want his three sons to come and find this sex dungeon that he had. Oh, what was um, in it? At, mate, it, it was like three sex shops combined into one sex dungeon. That's amazing. Dan's got oh, one of these here. Yeah, at eighty-eight. <laughs> Do you want to come over and see mine? It's pretty small, though. Well, asking I'll tell you asking for a friend, what's the address? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bill's taking it to his place. Yeah, what, do you do, what do you do with all that stuff? Do you, yeah, do you just I, keep it I in the shed? I gather it all up and I, I actually bring it back to my farm and I incinerate it. But I have to have it all on video so that way I can show my client and he's happy and yeah, yeah, yeah. way it goes. But uh, then so. from that leads to another job where now I'm going to viewings and I'm placing items in coffins or I'm pinpricking the body to make sure that they are dead. Really? Well, people are petrified about being buried or cremated alive. Wow. 
That scares me though. Being buried alive, worst thing. When you thing. die, are you getting cremated or buried? I'm getting burnt the fuck up. I I, I used to be that guy that's like, I need to get buried. Now I'm more cremated. I think so. Rick, what about you? Oh, it doesn't matter about me. What about you, Bill? Are oh you fuck, gonna- mate! I'm I'm being cremated, but I wanna I want my coffin packed with so many fucking fireworks just before it goes in. Boom. <laughs> question question for you at your funeral yeah. would you like a coffin confessor fuck yeah absolutely <laughs> Not yeah, love yeah. it we'll yeah. be your coffin confessors for yeah. you Dan, Dan will do it he's great <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. he doesn't give a fuck so now, <laughs> now 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 we know there's a quid in this bill is there any franchise opportunities obviously you can only be in so many places at once there's only so many you know yeah, on the yeah, sunshine coast there where you live Mate, I'm, I'm on the Gold Coast, actually, in the hinterland. But I've got to say that, um, yeah, I've been offered opportunities uh, right around the world for franchise. But I've got to sit back and hold tight because I just um, signed a movie deal with Paramount Pictures. Oh, so, really? Awesome. Yeah. So that was my yeah, next so they, question, actually, that you've got a, yeah. obviously a, a deal to bring this to the big screen. So how are those all plans progressing? Yeah, pretty cool because I just sit back and I hear what's going on in the background or I get a phone call every every month from, from the boys over in uh, in America. And to be honest with you, when it first started, I, I was at it was 3 o'clock in the morning, I get this call off this American and, and I don't know if you know Americans that well, but they're very strong and opinionated and, and they think they're fucking God's gift to whatever. You know? And I don't get and at 3 o'clock in the yeah. At three o'clock in the morning, I get a call off this guy and he goes, hey, Bill, I'm going to be your agent. I look after Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. I look after fucking Adam Sandler. I look after this. And I said, well, look after yourself, mate. And I hung up. So you, you thought know? he was bullshitting? <laughs> yeah. Or I you just weren't interested? Fuck. I wasn't interested. And then he phones back like three hours later and he says, Bill, that was the best phone call I ever had. This is what <laughs> I'm going to do for you. And I'm like, well, you do it for me and get back to me. And he fucking did. Yeah, so right. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So now I'm, yeah, he's my agent in the US, Steve Mandel, and he's doing, yeah, kicking goals. Yeah, right. Oh, we need an agent like him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I read in a previous interview that you stated, I speak or my client comes with me. So I'm interested how many times you've actually taken a client's remains from a funeral? Never, not once. I haven't had to, but I mean, yeah, it's in the contract. The contract states that, um, if if the if there's a big punch up at the funeral or no one wants to hear what the, the the client wants to left unsaid and it turns into disarray, I do have a hearse standby and an undertaker standby, and um, I do actually let the police know that yeah, I can take them. Wow, you know, that's insane! Nothing will stop me. Yeah. I can just picture yeah. you going in and grabbing this big old fat dead cunt chuck him over your shoulder and bolt for the door <laughs> fuck off everyone. everyone chasing the fucking hearse down you don't the want to hear his truth <laughs> mm, that's so no, so no you, it's a bit it's a bit guys, like sorry. doing um you know when someone's someone's gonna i know one day and i've got an envelope but someone one day is going to confess to a crime and a serious crime and i know it's going to happen and i've sort of tossed and turned about this and I've spoken with barristers and legals and everything I can. And I came up with the idea that if someone wants to confess a crime and they tell me, I have to tell the fucking police straight away. But if yeah. they write it down and post it to me and I don't open it till the funeral, I don't oh, fucking know till idea. the funeral. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So once that's... I'm at the funeral, 
I can open that letter and I'll read it. Now, it could be a fucking really bad crime and it may resolve a crime. It may even put some, somebody's, you know, at rest. Who knows? But do I open that letter now or do I wait until that person dies? And there's the conflict because, you know, for me, I'll do it at the funeral, but there's still that. You know. I'd feel like the other problem with that, well, it's not really a problem, but is the your client going to trust that you don't read it before the funeral? Exactly. So how do they know? They, yeah. they might spend their last six months shitting themselves going, fuck, I hope he doesn't go to the cops now. Well, exactly. But at the same time, the clients are closer to death than anybody else and mm. they really don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, even if they were taken to, to jail or whatever, I mean, it'd have to be through hospital. They'd be fucking pointless anyway. Yeah. Just a random thought. Your next coffin confession can dan rick and myself rock up with like a big bag of popcorn and just sit in the front row and just watch it all unfold because i genuinely want to see you absolutely just tear it to shreds and everyone in the audience just go holy shit like i really want to see you live that would be fantastic you're better off organising it yourself, right? yeah. organising me to come and crash your funeral or one of your mate's oh. funerals, get rid of them, and then I'll be there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hopefully we don't die too soon, but if I do, you're coming to my funeral. You're going to say a whole Mate, lot of not shit. Not a problem. I love it. Not a problem. Like you said earlier, Coffin Confessor is not your only role, so you're a highly respected private investigator. Um, could you share some insights with us as to some of the most bizarre and crazy cases you've worked on in your other job? Oh, mate, when you start off in, in, in PI work, you either do insurance jobs, which is just bullshit because the insurance companies don't want to pay out. So they'll hire PI to make sure that fucking nothing gets paid out. They can all get fucked because I won't do that shit. Um, the second one is... <laughs> Yeah. The second one is following a spouse, someone that's done done the wrong thing. And um, I remember following this bloke, you know, and his wife said, Look, I think he's having an affair. And I'm like, well, if you're going to hire me, he's basically having an affair. You know, what, what do you want to hire me for? Do you want to fucking confirm he's doing that? And she goes, no, no, I want 80% of what he's got. No, yep. you can fuck off too. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, that, those jobs weren't for me. Yeah. But then I also noticed that there was other PIs and the women in the industry would, would fucking stand next to a guy and pretend to put, his, put her arm around this bloke at a bar and someone would take a fucking snapshot of him and then send it to the wife and say, yeah, he's with this chick. And that chick fucking nothing to do with it. She's not even, you know what I mean? It's just fucking. Well, is that just to sort of get paid for the job it. and throw it under the table and be like, I'm done with yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that sucks. That's shit. Yeah, it sucks. Mm. So in my line of work, I gotta say, I love to do the undercover stuff. I, I love to fucking out those people that are doing the wrong thing for sure. But then there's the odd person that's doing the wrong thing genuinely for their family. They need the money, they need the towels from the resort, they need the fucking bedding. You know what I mean? There's those people that really need shit. And and there's times where I'll take it out of my own pocket and say, look, you gotta quit. I've got a grand, I'll give you the grand, but you've got to quit the job, otherwise you're going to jail. And this is why, and I'll expose myself for them. Wow. You know? oh. So going back to the, the coffin confessing, have you ever almost run late or missed 
one of your funerals due to like a COVID lockdown or something. Rocking Just a up, funeral. Rocking up late to a funeral to confess would be so awkward. Sanjeev in the Uber is like, he's supposed to fucking be here. Where is he? Oh, God. That's classic. Uh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm never late. You're punctual. Late. I'm always, I'm oh. always fucking early. Oh, I've so got, the- I drive, I drive a fucking uh, a Ford XB coupe, fifty year old XB coupe, mate. I'm never late. Oh, I was, yeah. I was hoping to hear that cliche movie scene where like he just runs in, knocks open two wooden doors. He's like, I'm here, like halfway through. <laughs> Everyone goes silent, and he comes and reads it out. But obviously, no, not. I've got a couple of requests where people want me to. Uh, Dress up as certain characters and bust into their funeral. Oh, Mickey Mouse. Uh, so that's or... going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. What are the characters? Uh, everyone from Homer Simpson to fucking Mr. Bean. Really? It's ridiculous. I yeah. reckon you do mean, a great guy... Wonder Woman, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> one guy wants me to actually be in the grave, like when the grave's dug and his coffin's above <laughs> it, they want me to stand in the grave. And start yelling and moaning and carrying on like a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's mean, amazing. God. That's insane. Yeah, but I mean, if he's willing to pay the money, I'll, I'll do it. Why not? Yeah, there's a fucking money talk. There's an excise that comes with that. Like everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. No worries. You want me to be in the grave? Yeah. It's another right. five grand. Checkbook. Five. <laughs> 20. <laughs> hey, have you ever had anything supernatural happen? Supernatural? Yeah, like you're uh, reading it out and then like the coffin yeah. knocks or there's a big fart in the background uh, something. No, mate, I, I, uh, I'm not into the Sky Daddy bullshit that goes on around the world with God and all that crap. I, I sort of, and all that super, yeah, no, not for me. But I do think, I've got to say to you that my very first client said to me, and it stuck with me at every fucking funeral I go to, he says, Bill, I can give you this 10 grand and you can just fuck off. You can take the money and go. I'd never know if you've done it or not. Yeah, yeah. But we all fucking die. We all die. You yeah. don't know if there's heaven or hell, but there's fucking certainly me, and I'm dead. So you're yeah. gonna come and see me one day. Yeah, oh, so sort of stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. So you, like within yourself, you just can't bring yourself to rip anyone off in any way. Is what you're saying? Well, basically, you, did that, Mel. I, I ripped a lot of people off when I was a kid. I was a street kid. I went to Bogger Road as one of the youngest prisoners. Uh, I was a, uh, I was an absolute mess. I was, um, I was never a drug addict or an alcoholic or anything that. I was fucking hungry. I was yeah, always right. hungry. Uh, I, I starved as a kid. I, I needed, I wanted food. I, I wanted attention. I wanted love. I wanted all this shit that everybody else had and I didn't have. I was sleeping on the streets from the age of fucking 12, 13, 14, you know, and yes, in and wow. out of school and, you know, it was a shit life. Yep. I did all those bad things and yet I met this girl. I stole a school uniform and I walked into a school just to be around kids my age yep. and I walked into this classroom and this teacher said, uh, 
She goes, oh, I didn't know we had a new student today. You can take a seat over there. And I said, oh, thank you very much. And I, I just went and sat over there. And this chick sitting behind me, blonde-haired, green, you know, green-eyed girl sitting there. And she leans over to her friend. She says, I'm going to marry him one day. And uh, lo and behold, we've been married since. Oh, Get fired. Um, wow. Yeah. How's that's that? Great. Well done. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I love that. It's a great life. And she Brilliant. saved my life. And yeah, so. Yeah. That's insane. That's a great story. Very good story. So, so a little story. bit about your family. Obviously, you met your wife through that, which is like yeah. mind-blowing. Um, kids, yeah, it was. Um, anyone yeah, taking so- over the family business later on? <laughs> no, they're both very uh, successful in their own right. We have two children and uh, 3.5 grandchildren love the cat. Um, That's you cat. know, we have a, uh, a, a great life now. I mean, obviously, it was hard to start with. I mean, we had two children when we were very young. We lived in tents. We had nothing. I did every job you could think of. I went in and out of fucking jail. I was just a, I was a mess. And, and, she fucking stayed with me every fucking minute of the way. A good you know? woman. And then, oh, mate, yeah, mm. unbelievable. Very love. Yeah. yeah, very good. Well, you know, the people that hurt me are alive today because she's alive. Yeah. yeah. Right? They would not be breathing today if she wasn't alive, I tell you now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, and not to give away anything out of your book or, or your history, but – um, I'm sure most of us, and I, I personally know my father had not exactly the same experience because none of them compare, but similar experiences to you with um, abuse at school and that sort of thing. Um, and it affects everyone in different ways. And I, I think he's done a pretty good job with the way that he's put out of it. I'm sure you've got people that you went to school with or grew up with that haven't fared so well. Um, are there any that stick in your mind as, you know, they've gone off the rails particularly or... Yeah, absolutely. Look, I um, yeah, I had to, I started up a Facebook page called Lost Boy of TSS, right? Now, I started that up because, uh, you know, there's a guy at school that was the footy player. He ended up playing with Mal Meninga and Molly Lewis, played for State of Origin, played for Country. Peter Jackson, Jacko, best footy player, nice bloke, funny as, was a police officer. And in 1997, he comes out and says, I was abused at the Southport School. And I went, fuck off. I thought I was the only one. I yeah, really right. thought I was the only one, you know. And, um, and then Jacko took his own life. He was broken, you know. And then I thought, well, fuck this. They're not going to break me. And no. so I took up the challenge. And I started this Facebook page, Lost Boy of TSS. And to date, I've brought uh, 133 boys forward. Up until what? today, today another one's come forward. From what um, back then, or just recently? From the eighties to yeah. two thousand and six, or from the seventies to two thousand and eighteen. Wow, wow, yeah. it's scary, isn't it? So, it's just oh, mate, scary as. And these parents are paying a mozza to have their kids are fucking abused. What yeah. the fuck's that about? Seriously. Yeah. No, no, it's got to stop. And you know what? The the biggest fucking con that ever existed was the Royal Commission into fucking child abuse because I sat in front of that commission and I fucking spoke to Bob Atkinson and I said to him what was happening. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. This has got to be done. And then he goes, what school was it? I said, oh, it was the Southport School, better known as TSS. And he went, oh, uh, rich, powerful school. Oh, too hard Uh, basket, was it? 
We're not sure we can do that. If we do that, you can open Pandora's box. There's going to be fucking hundreds of boys come forward. And I said, well, that's great. Let's yeah, do it. That's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah, you want the box as open as possible. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, i got to say, Peter Jackson's death hit me pretty hard. And um, I think there's, you know, over the years, there's been, um, what, 17 deaths. Uh, the 17 boys have taken their life since. Yeah, that's so sad. You just mentioned something about um, Wally Lewis, King Wally, obviously. So yeah. you're obviously a you're a leaguey, I'm assuming. So um, I'm assuming you don't follow the Titans because no one does. Who, who who's your team, <laughs> mate? I, I I'll be honest with you. I'm a loner. I don't have any friends. I really don't. I have thousands of associates. I help thousands of people around Australia with with their debts and debt related problems through a company I own, Freedom from Debt Collectors. I really look after a lot of people. I don't have a friend in the world that I can go have a beer with. I'm not worried about that because I don't fucking drink beer. I drink port. Um, And I've got to say, sport, I used to love sport when I was younger. I fucking hate it now because every time I see sport, I see the fucking betting. And they're betting this and they're betting on that and the odds and all this bullshit about betting and it's destroying fucking lives and families. Mark's Mark's very... We we could not agree with you more. Um, Gamble responsibly. Bet bet as much as you want, but gamble responsibly. It's it's horrible. Like the way they promote uh, uh, betting in sport, if you're watching anything, every single time, they're always promoting gambling. Every single time. Whatever you want. Well, you can go to the fucking kids' soccer these days yeah. or the kids' football and the dads yeah. aren't watching the fucking kids. They're watching their phones and seeing yeah. who's winning on the bets yeah. and the fucking mm, tap and all that shit. Couldn't agree with it's you just more. It's so wrong. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Can't stand it. All right. Last two years have been interesting and challenging to say the least for everyone. So I'm sure this has impacted you and just interested how you've had to adapt and what are some of the things you've done to help get you through it. It's been fucking great for me. Uh, <laughs> has business gone up has, it? has COVID been a real Fuck blessing yeah. well it's gone up because everybody's starting to talk about death and they're worried about it and they're thinking fuck you know what I've got a funeral plan but did I leave a message for a loved one have I left anything to tell them that I love them to death and I, I need them or have I told my uncle that's a toucher and a feeler that I hate his guts and I'm going to expose the cunt oh have you had a no, few of those I, have you yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, how's that yeah. go down with the family that don't know that it's happened? You know what? This is what the fucking funny thing is about families. Every family has a secret that they all know but they don't talk about. They oh, all so they like Uncle Johnny or Cousin Freddie or, you know, they all know. But when it's brought out to a funeral, it's not the immediate family that know. It's like the, the married end of the family. They all sit there going, Oh, fuck, what the fuck? Did you yeah. know that? <laughs> and then Cheryl would go, yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew that was going on. Well, why didn't you fucking tell me? I've been having beers with the cunt. <laughs> fuck. Uh, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. So, so you're oh, on stage, right? You go up there, you're front of house, everyone's looking at you, eyes on Bill. After the funeral's done, do you, do you generally go back and attend the wake or you know, do you, do you go to the, any of the after party and no, you know, so, mingle so with the I, crowd? I say, the one thing I don't do is I don't go to the front of the fucking – I don't go to the stage. I don't go anywhere. I stand up where I'm seated and everybody looks at me. I don't have to go anywhere. They just fucking look at me. And I do that for a reason because I want to know 
where the escape route is for me. Fuck everyone yeah. else, you know. So I'll stand up. I'll say what I say, and then I'll put the letter back in the envelope and I'll place it on the coffin and I'll walk out. What happens afterwards, I, I have no idea. And to be honest, I couldn't give a fuck. So if the funeral continues or they all punch on, I don't care. So you don't have, <laughs> you don't have any like... I'd be so curious to see how it went down. Oh, I'd yeah. want to put a GoPro on the corner and feel yeah. like, like I would. <laughs> no, no, I was, I guess that some of them, I think to myself, you know, I've got to say that the religious funeral I did out at fucking Warwick was, was one that, you know, the guy, I met the guy and he said, look, Bill, he said, the one thing I do not want is a religious funeral. I do not believe in God. I want nothing to do with it. I do not want a religious funeral. If there's a religious religious funeral, this is what you are to do. And I said, no worries, mate, not a problem. He dies. His sister tells me that he's died and when the funeral is. I attend the funeral and what is it? A fucking full-on religious funeral. So when the priest announces, let us pray, I stand up and I say, excuse me, my <laughs> name's Bill Edgar. I am the coffin confessor and there will be no praying today. That's this so is good. what my client in the coffin has left unsaid. Now, the yeah, priest will go, excuse me, you can, you know, and I'll say to the priest, sit down, shut up, or fuck off. So, yeah. you know. Here's a, here's a, question. Here's a question for I'm, you, right? So when you, you're, you're a coffin confessor, when you announce all this horrible stuff and everyone's listening, you walk away and you don't get to see the after result, right? What if one of us was to be there and interview people as to what they thought about what you said, but they didn't really know that we were filming it. And you could, all, you could almost market that and you could replay it and see their exact thoughts. I think that yeah, would be amazing because like you were saying, you don't actually know what people are thinking once you leave. It would be yeah, great I, I'm already in talks with a, um, a company wanting to yeah. do a reality show. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a candid camera, really. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's similar. Yeah, it's a Mate, bit honestly, like a. Honestly, we, we love originality, and what you're doing is extremely. I'd, uh, I'd pay nineteen ninety nine a month for that. <laughs> yeah. I'd subscribe. It's like a Netflix <laughs> subscription. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the idea is it's a it's a unique, brilliant idea. Yeah. I, I mean, and it, yeah, you know, I get to pick and choose what I do now as well. You know, I don't have to do anything. I can sit back and say, you can all get fucked and die and take your dreams and your wishes and everything with you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, every person on this planet has a skeleton in the closet. Oh. It's just up to you if you want to let it out or not. Yeah, no, I'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you heard of any copycats? Is there anyone that's trying to leech off of what you're doing that you've become aware of? I, none that I've become aware of. I, I've heard that people want to start up and, and they write to me and they say, you know, I'm in Wales or the UK or Ireland and I want to start up this business. Can you give me some tips or how to do it or can you mentor me? And I, I, I sort of get back to them and I say, well, if you can, you know, basically tell people to fuck off and still stand there and not care about the living, then you've got it. And they go, yeah. well, what do you mean? Well, I can't go into what I mean. I'm just saying that's basically it, you know. Yeah, you need a certain type of personality. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that comes with the backstory, and that's where the book comes, you know, and tells you the backstory. 
There you go, Mark. You can start a business called the Cremation Confessor. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> cremation. You're going to see a, an ABN listed in Belair soon, yeah. and it's going to be Mark. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, we've got eyes set on the silver screen. So you know, things are happening there. It's you know, big screen, small screen. It's all happening. I know. I noted in an interview or a, a story about you recently that there's a whole bunch of names being thrown up. Give us your your one. Who, who do you want? I mean, I saw Ryan Reynolds was in the mix. I saw yeah. a couple of names being thrown around, but who, who yeah. ideally? Oh, look, I've got to say, um, Greg Hadrick, who wrote Underbelly, he reached out to me with a guy named John McAvoy, and they said, look, we'd like to do a drama series in Australia, um, and we're thinking about a woman playing the role. Oh, right. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I said, well, you've got to get Margot Robbie. She'd yeah, be good call. You know, I, went, I thought she'd be cool. And, yeah, she's uh, got the attitude for it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but as, as far as the movie over in Hollywood goes, I was getting names like uh, Mark Warburg, um, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, um, and even Vin Diesel if it was to go real dark. If, if but, it does, Sorry, you go. Yeah, go on. I was no, just going to say... I was going to say, if you had one actor and it was going to be anyone you could choose in the world, who are you choosing to play you? Uh, yeah, I would have gone Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, right. Personally. Great. Yeah, scenario. I would have. But, but, and, but I've got to say that um, uh, the guys over at Paramount Pictures, I didn't realise that um, those guys like Mark Wahlberg, Warren Reynolds, they're already set in stone. They, they've already got a persona about them and so they came back to me a couple of weeks ago and they said what about this guy and I said yeah I know that guy and they said yeah but he's not he's not big big but he's big but he's going to be the next biggest thing and he could actually do the sequel and do number three four five and six wow. and I'm like oh is that where you're heading and they said yeah well, that's where we're heading we just don't want to do one movie we want to and I'm like yeah, well, that's cool because then it cements him as the role as the coffin So like a James Bond type, yeah, yeah. you know, but this guy, yeah. So I thought, yeah, why not? So are you saying at the moment you've got enough content to fill six movies or are they saying, hey, we'll give you one where we're telling you a story and then we're taking the creative licence and fucking running with it? Yeah, they're, they're taking the, – they're just going to run with it from the start. I mean, they came with a script to me. They, they sent me a short snippet of a script where um, the coffin confesses like a character like Mr Bean, really quiet, <laughs> just a sensitive type bloke, and he goes and crashes to the Queen's funeral. Ah, uh, excuse it me. It was funny, yeah. <laughs> you know, so the, they'll just run with it. The other idea was I was talking to um, Steve Mandel and he said he was – speaking with Adam Sandler and, um, and another guy, and they thought if they could get the wedding crashes, one of those guys to die and the other one crashes his funeral and then they start rooting chicks at funerals because that was part of the wedding crashes apparently at yep. the end. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, that would be cool. But you look at those guys now and, okay, I'm fucking 52, 53, and I look after myself, but they they sort of do and don't, and they, they're getting older, you know. Yeah. So I like the idea of the young, you know, guy who's just hit 30 and he's coming into it and, yeah. And can yeah, go on I, and I, keep I doing it. Yeah, like I think you're going to so. get the roll, Mark. Yeah. Oh, I'm Kane. <laughs> you're going to have to stop going on four-day benders, though. 100% Kane. All right. Um, 
What's the most common secret that you've had to expose? Is it, you know, infidelity? Is it, you know, oh, debt? Yeah, is it sexual one. preference? Is it, what is it? No, it's, it's number one, it has to be infidelity. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've got to say, the other thing, though, is you'd be surprised how many fucking people hide shit around the house and they don't tell their partner. Really? Or I'm surprised it doesn't get found. A, yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, this guy, he's... He, he, yeah, his wife's passed and, and his wife told him, don't give all the shit to goodwill, go through everything. And, and I rock up and I say, look, have you followed what your wife had left? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I've done everything. And then you hit the fuck are you anyway. And I said, look, I'm just here on behalf of Rose. And this is what she said, you know. And he goes, well, it's all boxed up over there. And I said, well, look, you know, it fucking take half an hour. Do you want to go through this shit? And, and these are instructions. Did you look in the manhole in the fucking toilet and all that? And he's like, no. Nah. Yeah, we found nearly 14 grand. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She just fucking hoarded money everywhere. Like, have oh, you wow. gone to, for a sweep in a house and something's been in a really shit hiding spot? Like, it should have been found already? Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, right in front of someone's face. Really? Fucking like what? Like a, oh, dis- yeah. it's been disguised or something? Yeah, look, it, you know, um, a lot of people do, like, the, the home candles and all that nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this lady had a had a fake. It was it was a fake fucking candle. You know, on top of the the mantelpiece, above the TV, you know, and all this. And and all she had to do was lift the candle up. That's all you'd have to do. And there was a roll of fucking hundreds. I mean, it was just it was stupid. Oh, really? You know, yeah. It, it was her hidey hole. Over time, that gets knocked lucky. over. It's lucky men don't do the dusting. I know. Isn't it? Yeah, that's probably what I, was it's there. It's just weird, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean stuff like that. But then the stuff that's hidden so well that no one had ever find it unless you were told. What's a great you know? hiding spot? Give it. Give us one of the best that you've you've had to go and and seek out. Uh, look, I I got to say the the one that got me was the jewelry in the toilet system. So that was pretty cool. You know, it was all wrapped up in a bag and it was put in the system of a toilet. And who the fuck looks in there? You know, yeah, I mean, no one really looks druggies, in there. Probably druggies, that's about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, there's shit like that. Other things are, like, under a certain paver at the front door or, you know, buried in the yard. So Yeah, so you shit know, you're only going to find if you're told. Yeah, but- exactly. You're not going to find it. Okay. Last, um, before we sort of wrap this up, I was just going to ask you, where can people get your book from? Is it online only? Or anywhere. Can... Anywhere. 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 Yeah. It, Penguin Random House Australia uh, distributed the book, so it should be in all good bookstores. It's at Big W, Target and Kmart. It's at, um, yeah, it's online. Oh, so you can download Amazon. off Audible, Audible and all those Audible, places. yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, Audible, yeah. All right. Brilliant. Um, I had two more. Oh, you got a couple? Yeah, yeah go for it. I've got two more. I'll, I'll go with the last one first. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the final question I had, because I looked on your LinkedIn profile and you you brought this up about, I don't know, five minutes ago. Everyone on the planet has a skeleton in the closet. Your words. What's yours? Give us in a sound. In, in the, the book. book. In the oh, book. Yeah. Buy the book. It's in the book. Yeah. The I, book. I, and I've got to say, personally, the guys at Penguin Random House, they, they said to me, look, when someone like you is going to write a book and, and you're getting a lot of notoriety, 
you've got to make sure that everything is in the book so that way no one's going to dig shit up later on and expose it to the world. And I thought, okay, well, I'll do it. I'll just put fucking everything out there, you know, so that way there's no, no skeletons in my closet. Was that scary for you to do or you were comfortable doing that? I was, yeah, I was a bit hesitant at the start, but once I got into it, it was fine. It wasn't until they turned around and said, Bill, do you reckon you could do the audio yourself? And I went, what? And they said, oh, they well, wanted usually, you to talk it out. Yeah, they wanted me to do the audio because they said it's such a gripping, compelling book. And I went, I'm dyslexic, right? <laughs> I've learned everything myself. I couldn't read, write or spell until I was 30. So I've learned everything myself. So sitting in the fucking booth and reading my book to an audience was just fucking, that was, I was sweating. I was fucking going nuts, like serious. But the guys up there were so cool and they were professional and they helped me out. And instead of taking three days, it took three fucking weeks, but we got it done. And it, and it ended retake, up being retake. really good. Yeah, but it's good. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved the experience. And I met a lot of nice people and I, I come out of it going, fuck yeah. And I didn't realise a lot of authors don't read their own books. So don't go figure. I did. Yeah. And you, did you enjoy reading that back? Or did it make you sad? Or how did you feel? No, no, I enjoyed it. What, what I found hard was listening to it if, Someone else was listening to it and I could hear it. And the I'm going, sound of oh, your own voice. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I found really cool though, and this only happened two days ago, is I was at a, um, a Westfield shopping centre and I thought I'll get a coffee. And I was having a coffee and this chick's reading my book. Oh, that's awesome. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I walked up to her and I said, oh, would you like me to sign that? And she looked up at me and she said, oh, yeah, right, honey. And I said, okay, no worries. And she, well, she didn't believe it. And went, no, she didn't believe me. She did a double take and looked at the cover and then went, oh, no, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's like that. classic. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So I just wrote, like, you know, death will come, death won't wait. Tell those you love, tell those you hate. Fuck oh, off. good <laughs> one. All right, the last one I had. You mentioned to Dan when you guys caught up prior to the interview that you actually found us via someone that you know who had listened to the podcast or came across our podcast. Who is it? You wanted to shout someone out. Who have you got for us? No, I don't shout anyone out. Fuck them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was just a guy that, a random guy that said, I saw this. What do you think of this? Dougie was his name. And I just said, yeah, no, thanks. I'll have a look. And then I had a look and I saw it and I saw you guys talking. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll get in touch with you. And yeah, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I don't, you know, fuck everybody. It's all about me. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great attitude oh, to have, mate. That. Bill, you've been so generous you're with your legend, time. Mate. We really appreciate it, mate. And if you're ever down no this way in Adelaide, we'd love to have a port with you. So thanks so much for coming Actually, on. I, I used to live in Adelaide for a little while. My wife and I went down there. We lived in a place called. Uh, Parra Hills and Holden Hill. Oh, oh you right. don't want to be telling oh, people that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, Holden Hill was the police station. That's right. <laughs> if you're having it in SA, let's catch up for a beer. Yeah, we'd love that. No, yeah, slide good. into the DMs, I don't mate. Beer, but port will do. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a port. We can do port. Now we really appreciate it. And uh, everyone who's listening and watching, Bill Edgar, the Coffin Confessor. Thanks so much, mate. Go and yeah. read his book. Hey, guys, appreciate your time. You. Congratulations on your podcast and hope it goes thanks, well. Take good care, on you, guys. mate.
Take care. See ya. All right. Well, that was Bill. How and, cool. Uh, amazing. Mm. Like, There's heaps of stuff in there. That I, I enjoyed that. He was fantastic. Mm. Like, I've, he just did everything that I wanted him to say, he said. He literally did. He didn't give a fuck. You wouldn't hate going to work being him, would you? Like, everything about it has some new twist, something exciting. You know, it's never the same old day. I thought the funniest or the most interesting part, I mean, the whole coffin confessing thing is very, very intriguing. Mm. But the fact that he can still go out and infiltrate a business to find someone who's stealing or doing something, like, pe- not everyone, like, he's he's not the biggest profile in the world, mm. but people know who he is now. Yeah, I know. And like he said, he's on the Sunshine Coast. It's not like he's working globally yeah. or yeah. something yeah. like that. I was just impressed with how open and honest he was. Like, he, everything that he could have said, he said. Yeah, like, there was no I, fluffing I around. No, there wasn't. I love. And we that. need more people like that in the world. Like yeah. us and him. We're legends. Like he would say. <laughs> yeah. We're super cool. <laughs> uh, I, uh, love, I love his attitude. I'm not fucking shouting out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Nah, it was fantastic. We hope you enjoyed the first interview that Chats with Cats have ever done. We're probably looking to do more of this stuff in the future. So if you've got anyone that you feel like you'd like us to speak to, anyone interesting you think you could uh, gas bag with us and talk some shit and get a bit out of it, that'd be fantastic. Drop a little note in the comments. But we would like to absolutely thank every single one of you again for sticking with us, for listening to us, for downloading us, yep. for rating streaming. us, liking, subscribing, Rick, streaming. Now is your time. Where, where can they listen to us? <laughs> He's good at this. We've got... You've had 60 tries at this. Oh, well, do you want to play us out? Are we done here? All right, let's do Spotify. it. Spotify. All right. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. We're on Instagram, The Talk. Absolutely love it. The Chats with Cats podcast. We'll see you next season. We'll probably see you next year at this point. I'm going to give it emotional. All right. See you later, guys.